This is Positively Farming Media. Last week, we talked about the different crops that we can plant now in each zone to be harvesting throughout the winter. This week, let's take a different approach and talk about things to plant now and through the late fall to get a jump on the spring harvest or even harvest in the summer. The timing of these plantings is going to vary by the region that you garden in, but the concepts are the same. Plant something now and let it get well-rooted. Allow it to go dormant. Then, as the day length increases in the spring, watch it bounce back up with growth as soon as the conditions are right with no effort on our part in the spring. This does a couple of things for us. Allows us to put our early spring gardening hours elsewhere, often towards crops that need a little extra effort anyway, and gives us an even earlier harvest than we would typically see if we usually need to wait for the ground to thaw or at least warm up before working in our garden beds. Many of these things are particularly important for those of us in temperate or cold weather climates, but gardeners in warmer zones can take advantage of this too, depending on the crop. On today's episode of Just Grow Something, we'll talk garlic, onions, root veggies, sprouting broccoli or broccoli rub, cold hardy greens, and more that you can set and forget for a harvest next year. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if you hear background noise, that is because my office door is wide open and you would be hearing rain. We have had a pretty much steady drizzle here all day, which I am so thankful for. We have been bone dry and stupid hot. (laughs) And honestly, if we hadn't gotten this rain today, I would have lost every single one of my pepper plants. Um, They, even though they're loaded with fruit, they weren't ready to harvest and there was so little moisture in there. What I did harvest last last week the uh, the sidewalls were actually collapsing in because there was so little moisture. So thankful for the rain today. And so I'm just going to go ahead and leave that window open or that door open. Actually, the windows and the doors are both open. And uh, if you hear the rain, then you hear the rain. That's okay. So let's talk fall crops to overwinter for a spring harvest. The first thing that most gardeners think of when we talk about planting in the fall for spring or summer is garlic. I will link to the full garlic episode in the show description, but let's do a quick overview of what garlic needs and how and when we should be planting it depending on our growing conditions. (music) 
So there are two different types of garlic. There's hard neck and soft neck. The most obvious difference between these two is their appearance. So the hard neck garlic varieties are going to have that long flowering stem that grows through the center of the bulb that's called a scape. And then the bulb surrounding the scape of a hard neck variety has a single layer of those consistently shaped cloves. And usually they have between four and 12, depending on the cultivar. The soft neck varieties, on the other hand, they have a much larger number of cloves. And this is because usually the soft neck varieties are not uniform in shape and they are formed in two or more layers in the bulb. And each of those is wrapped in their own skin. So you're going to get between eight and 20 cloves per garlic. That's one way to tell the difference between the hard neck and the soft neck. The other one is that the soft necks don't usually produce a scape, which is likely why they produce more cloves in each bulb. That's kind of an evolutionary tactic for reproduction, which is great for us. But do know that in times of environmental stress, I have had soft neck varieties actually produce a scape, and subsequently those have had smaller bulbs. Generally speaking, Hard neck varieties are going to tend to grow better in areas with colder winters. They require a greater period of vernalization than the soft neck cultivars. So that vernalization is that amount of cold, the cold period where the plants not only go dormant, but they have to be exposed to a certain number of days below a certain temperature, or they're just not going to produce properly. So in garlic, if it's not cold enough for long enough, for the hard neck garlic, it means fewer cloves or none at all. So this is why it's recommended that you plant your garlic in the fall and then you harvest it the next spring. Soft neck varieties don't require as much vernalization. They tend to perform okay in areas where the winters are mild. Where we are in zone 6A, we can grow both the hardneck and the softneck. I usually do grow both just to kind of cover my bases a little bit. The softneck tend to have much more heft to them, but the hardneck have a stronger flavor. But sometimes we have a really mild winter and the hardneck just doesn't do very well. So I always have the softneck available to make sure that I'm getting garlic. Plus, if you want to make garlic braids, soft neck are the ones that you want to go for. Now, you're going to find a lot of suggestions online about when you should plant your garlic. But just remember that this is going to depend on your particular gardening environment. So don't blindly follow a specific date just based on your growing zone. Cold temperatures are what prompt the garlic clove to start growing its roots. So if you plant too early and the soil temperature is still too warm, that garlic clove is just going to sit in the ground and it's not going to be growing its roots, which means it's going to be much more susceptible to disease or to fungus. And if you have any rains that saturate the soil during that time, there's no roots to take that water up. So essentially those cloves are just sitting in water and they're going to rot right there in the ground. Plus, our weather patterns change from year to year. So don't decide that you're going to plant them at the same time this year as you did last year because the conditions this year may be drastically different. Of course, you do want to plant your cloves before the ground freezes. You want to give it adequate time for that root development before the soil gets too cold. I use an online soil temperature map. I've told you about this before. I'll link to it in the show description. I use that to determine what my soil temperature is from week to week and to look at previous year's data just so I can kind of forecast when might be a good time to plant 
based on those kind of historical conditions. Once it's consistently staying below 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 and a half Celsius for your soil temperatures, you're pretty safe. I try to look at the temperatures that are like below 55 Fahrenheit or 12.8 Celsius just to be on the safe side because here we have such wide swings of temperatures that can last a week or even longer sometimes, and that causes the soil temperatures to warm back up again. Now, obviously, you can just go out there and use a soil thermometer to keep track of your daily soil temperatures, which I do do once I've decided on a planting date. And then I go out and verify that soil temperature a day or two ahead of time to be sure. But using the online tool is an easy way to check when I'm too busy to be going out at 10 a.m. every day to check my soil temperatures. So all that to say, just don't blindly follow a chart that you find that tells you when to plant. I am going to give you some approximate planting dates by zone, but I would use these just as a guide for when you should have your garlic bed prepared and then go by the current year's weather conditions to make your final decision, okay? So like in zones one through three, you're looking at planting or having your garlic beds ready in early to mid-September. Zones three through five, we're looking at late September to early October. Zones five through seven, we're looking at mid to late October. Now I'm in 6A, like I mentioned, and sometimes I don't put mine in until the first week in November because it's exceptionally warm some years. I think this year is not going to be much of an exception to that considering how warm it's been. But if we have some sort of a dramatic change between now and then, I will plant earlier. Typically, mid-October is fine, but last year the soil temperature was still 65 Fahrenheit on October 24th, so I waited. So again, keep an eye on the average soil temperatures leading up to your predicted date, and then test your temperatures for a couple of days before planting just to be on the safe side. And then zones 7 through 9, you're looking at late October into November. And zones 9 and 10, late October into December. And you guys are going to need to make sure that you are selecting soft neck garlic types because they need less cold vernalization in order to be able to develop those bulbs. Hard neck varieties need four to six weeks of cold temperatures below 40 to 45 Fahrenheit in order to develop those bulbs. The soft neck garlic isn't as picky, which is why they grow better in warmer temperatures. So on this week's episode of Focal Point Friday, I'm going to go ahead and recap some of the techniques that you warmer climate growers can use to get your garlic prepared prior to planting to guarantee a harvest. So keep an ear out for that one on Friday. That's it in a nutshell. That is crop number one, garlic. Next on the list is one that certain climates can do well with without a lot of preparation and others of us need to put a little bit more effort into, and that is onions. Now, usually we're talking about planting onions in the very early spring as soon as the soil can be worked. If you are in a warmer area, you can most certainly plant onions from seed or sets in the fall. And if you're in a colder climate, you can do this with extra protection over the plants. I generally recommend doing this from sets. I will link to the full onion episode in the show description. But when we're talking about fall planting, I would highly recommend we're looking at choosing day-neutral onions because they can adapt to the different day lengths and climates better and are more likely to, fall, to form those bulbs. Long-day onions would be fine if you are in a northern growing area in the northern hemisphere. They're not going to start forming their bulbs until your day length gets to be at least 14 hours per day, closer to 15 
and that gives your soil a chance to warm up a little bit in the spring too. But for everybody else, I would really say day neutral is going to be your best bet for a fall planting. Now, if you're in a warmer climate, you can direct sow your onions from seed or you can plant onion sets. So remember the onion sets are just tiny little onions that have started to bulb a little bit and then they prematurely stop the growth so that we can plant them later. And then once they resume growth, they very quickly develop a full bulb if they're in the right climate. This is a very easy alternative to seeds, but they aren't always available in all areas in the fall. I prefer these to seeds for a fall planting, but that's because of my climate. If I lived somewhere with milder winters, then I might choose seeds. If you are one of those mild winter climates, then let the onions go ahead and grow throughout the winter. In colder regions, you're going to need to protect them with mulch or row covers while they're dormant. And in very cold climates, like you folks that solidly see frozen ground for several months, you're going to want to cover with very heavy mulch and then row covers and then likely some caterpillar tunnels of like greenhouse plastic to be sure that the bulbs don't get damaged. This is one crop that you may want to skip if you are colder than a zone five or four, unless you're sure you can really protect those bulbs. Bulb onions are generally cold hardy down to about five or 10 degrees Fahrenheit. So this should tell you how much protection your bulbs will need through the winter and then help you decide whether or not you want to tackle this one or not. In any case, once the day length increases and your temperatures begin to warm in the spring, you're going to want to uncover the plants and let them continue growing as usual. You will likely have a much earlier harvest this way and oftentimes you'll get larger onions. Just be aware that in some climates, you're likely to lose a few over the winter, and that's okay. I've been known to not cover them well enough, and the freeze-thaw cycle here caused a lot of them to rot. But when I do it right, it works out very well. Now, in cold areas, the onions need to be planted about four to six weeks before your ground begins to freeze in order to be able to get them harvested as full-size bulbs in the late spring or the early summer. This is why sets are a really good idea because they get settled in and they get to start getting rooted before the ground gets too cold, kind of like garlic. Now, if you're in a warmer area, seeds are just fine. I find that I can kind of skirt the edge of the frost date a little bit here, and my fall onion sets are actually on their way to me now. I kind of got them ordered a little bit late. So I'll be getting them in at about the four-week mark, four weeks before our first anticipated frost. If you're further north than me, then you really probably need to get a move on and get your sets planted. And the benefit to planting now, rather than starting fresh in the spring while the ground is still cold, is that these fall-planted onions are already established. So when they come out of dormancy, They'll have established root systems, and those bulbs are already going to be developing, which means earlier harvest and then most times, like I said, bigger onions. If you can't find onion sets near you right now, I will link to Sprout Mountain Farms in the show notes because that's who we got ours from, and I know they are still taking orders through like November or whenever they run out. Fall is the perfect time to start creating better soil and increasing organic matter in our gardens for next season. A great way to do this is with cover crops, and True Leaf Market has an easy way for home gardeners to do that with their garden cover crop seed mix. These cover crops are proven to boost nitrogen content in the soil while improving weed suppression, erosion control, and soil structure. Get your cover crop mix by going to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash cover and choose from one, five, 
five or 25 pound bags, depending on the size of your garden. JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash cover to get the easiest assorted cover crop mix out there from True Leaf Market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Next on our list is carrots and beets and even turnips and parsnips. You've heard me mention these before. These are great candidates for overwintering and warmer regions. This is likely the best time for you to actively grow these crops. But in colder winter areas, these are great for planting in the fall, allowing them to get some growth on them, heavily mulching and protecting them after you get a couple of frosts, and then allowing them to resume growing again in the spring. I had the best early crop of carrots this season. And those were the ones I planted in November. Now, that was actually too late for them to actually get any growth on them. So I'm planting some earlier this year to get them established so I can have an even earlier crop. And then I'll do the November planting again to get a slightly later crop and then a regular spring planting for a third crop. So for a crop that gets to start growing a little bit before dormancy, you want to plan ahead and get them seeded, especially for the carrots, a good four to six weeks before your first frost because they can take a little while to germinate. If that's already passed for you, then you have that other option. So last November, I direct seeded my carrots after my soil had frozen solidly in my raised beds and I kept the soil uncovered while we went through a couple of freeze and thaw cycles. This is called frost seeding and it uses the natural heaving of the soil during those freezes to draw those seeds down into the soil when it thaws. So then once the seeds had worked their way naturally down into the soil, I mulched them really heavily and then I just left them until spring. Once the soil began to warm up, I pulled back the mulch just ever so gently to see if anything was sprouting, and it was. So I loosened the mulch up a little bit so that the seedlings could break through, and then I just left them all alone. Eventually, those carrot tops started poking through, and I had a fantastic early harvest of carrots. About three weeks earlier than the spring-planted ones I did in the next beds over. I highly encourage this method, and I'm going to be doing that with beets this fall as well. So if you can get them in early enough in order to be able to get them established and a little bit of growth on them before your frosts hit, great. But if you've already passed that mark, don't fret. You have that second option that I just described where you can go ahead and do that frost seeding and still get a much earlier harvest in the spring. 
The next crop to seed in fall and harvest in spring is hardy greens. So spinach, kale, and collards are all really good options for overwintering for a spring harvest. This can be done in one of two ways. Either we plant them early enough so that they get to maturity before our first frost or before our Persephone period kicks in, and then we can harvest from them for part of the winter and then leave them to continue their growth in the spring. Or we can plant them a little bit later so that they get some growth on them, but they aren't fully mature. And then we'll cover them up right after the first frost and just leave them alone until they start regrowing in the spring and we can have our first harvest then. Your approach on this is going to depend on your climate. If you're in a warmer area, you can actively be harvesting all winter long and then leave those plants alone for a little bit at the beginning of the spring so they can put on one more good flush of leaves for a final harvest before it gets too warm and they want to bolt. In colder climates, I like to have them get to maturity, harvest partway through the winter, cover them really well once it starts to get bitterly cold, and then let them regrow in the spring while I plant a successive crop right alongside them. Now, if you're in a much colder region than I am, you're likely going to want to get them growing and then cover them up pretty early to protect them for spring growth. And if your area stays relatively cool for most of the growing season, you likely won't need a succession planting in the spring because there's going to be less likely um, chance that they're going to bolt early on you. You might not need to plant another one until the late summer. Now, here's a bonus for you if your winters are cold, but you can provide some crop protection. This isn't really a green per se, but you can plant rapini or broccoli rob or some sort of heirloom sprouting broccoli type in the fall and harvest in the early spring. You can sow the seeds two to three weeks before the first fall frost. And when the seedlings germinate, cover them with straw mulch and in really cold areas, some frost cloth and those little green greenhouse tunnels. The plants are going to survive the winter and then they're going to begin growing again as the daylight hours lengthen and they will be ready for a very early spring harvest. Just make sure you do this in well-drained soil to prevent root rot while the plants are dormant. This can actually be among one of the very first crops that you harvest in the spring because warm temperatures are actually going to cause those plants to bolt and send up those flower stems. So that is one more thing that we can plant in the colder regions and be able to harvest first thing in the spring. And then finally, let's talk about cover crops. This isn't necessarily something we're going to plant and harvest to eat, but it is something that we should be planting now to utilize through the winter and into the spring to help our garden regain nutrients and build a healthy soil. I did a cover crop episode earlier this year, and I'm going to do another one again in a few weeks specifically about fall and winter cover crops because there are a lot of things that I didn't cover in that first episode. But in general, having a cover crop in place over the winter is a fantastic way to not only protect that topsoil from erosion because the crop acts like a living mulch, but when we terminate that crop the following spring, we leave that crop residue in the ground and on top of the soil, so we're putting nutrients back into the soil that was pulled out the previous growing season. There are a whole host of benefits to these cover crops, and now is the time that we want to be putting them in the ground. So I did a spring crop 
and then a summer crop in one of my fields that really needs some help. And now I'm ready to sow my fall planting of some daikon radishes to leave throughout the winter. So take a look at True Leaf's selection of cover crop blends from the link in the show notes. Their garden mix is a great starting point for a fall cover crop without having to go down a rabbit hole of research to figure out what to plant in your area for the winter. Okay, to recap, things that are great to plant in the fall for a spring or summer harvest. Garlic, onions, carrots, beets, and other root crops, hardy greens like spinach, kale, and collards, plus those bonus sprouting broccoli or broccoli rob in some areas, and cover crops. The biggest benefit to all of these, well, except maybe the cover crops, is that we often have a little bit more time to attend to the garden in the late fall when the summer crops have kind of given up, but the soil is still warm and workable. It gets those seeds or those sets or those cloves or whatever it is that we're planting off to a really good start, and it gives us more time in the spring to devote to the more time-sensitive crops or tasks that can't be completed right now. In this way, we avoid some of the chaos of the spring rush by already having some of our crops in place and ready to go ahead of time. Listen, if you found value in this episode, will you share it with a friend? It's a great way to keep the podcast going, and it brings in new sponsors to help offset the cost and the time of sharing all this info, and it's absolutely free for you to do so. I greatly appreciate those of you who are sharing these episodes and putting them out on social media, too. It really does mean the world to me, so thank you, thank you so much. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. For it to be able to do its root development before you'll be foil. Now, you do want to plant the roots. No, they're not roots, they're cloves. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing. <laughs>